0: Thanks for joining us for today's message. We encourage you to email us and let us know what God is currently doing in your life. Or if you'd like to support the ministry financially, you can do so here on our website. Right now, you're about to listen to a message from our current series. Thanks for tuning in today. A couple of housekeeping things. Uh, out in the bookstore, March for Miracles, we've got uh, a whole display on, on books on miracles. And again, whatever is being taught up here, whatever pastor's taking us through, make sure that you are intentional about, you know, learning more about that stuff. Again, getting in the scriptures throughout the week, rereading those so that, that faith comes by hearing, right? You want it to go from your head into your heart, okay? And, and that's a big deal. And again, reading other books alongside of miracles, like last month was the Love Month, Um, So reading books on that and and whatnot. And I really encourage people, be here every service. You know, again, we're halfway through. This is the, the halfway mark for March for Miracles. So we've got eight services total. This is service number four. Uh, we talked about week one, a uh, miracle in your mouth. We, last week, we talked about a miracle in your house. This Sunday, we're going to talk about a miracle in your finances. I'm really excited about that. And then we'll fi- finish out with a miracle in your relationships. Not just marital relationships, but in your relationships with your, you know, your family, your, your kids, uh, friends, all of that different stuff. Uh, second thing I encourage you to do is be praying for one another. So obviously we've got miracles popping here. So you are, your prayers are availing, right? The, the, you know, praying for one another that, that you would pray for a miracle for somebody else and, and for that to happen in their lives. And, and you're igniting Luke 6:38, right? Given it shall be given. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. And then finally you know, along those lines, please report the miracles back. We want to be able to share what's happening with you with one another because that strengthens people's faith. You know, you can email that at info uh, at com, or you can go down to the bottom of the website and hit the contact us, fill out that form, and just again, fill out what, what God has been doing in your lives. So, it's a good thing. So let's dig into this. So miracle first, uh, the word means an extraordinary or an unusual event that's taken as a sign of the supernatural power of God. And, you know, I used this target the, the last couple of weeks just to kind of open up. I'm not going to go all the way through it. Um, do you have that target that, that I had used as far as like, what are you aiming at in, in life? Um, you know, we had the various levels, the good, the great, you know, all the way up to world class, which is, you know, as you're aiming for something, you've got to get really dialed in, very disciplined. But we talked about the seventh arrow that's not even up there. The seventh arrow is the arrow of the supernatural, right? Beyond and above the normal. And so, for those of you that have had miracles happen, you're living in that supernatural. And that's what we're all striving for. We want to live in the supernatural realm with every area of our lives because that's where God operates, right? That's where, where heaven and earth kind of intermingle. That's where, where God and man, you know, you have this supernatural God the miracle-working God, and he is still working miracles, working those miracles in in our lives and in the lives of one another. And Jesus was our example, right? We, we use this scripture in John chapter 14, verse 12, and Jesus said this. He said, I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I am going to be with the Father. And that's a it's a lot of pressure because Jesus did some amazing things, right? And you can go, well, you know, he was God, but he came out of heaven and, and he was 100% God, but he was also 100% man. He experienced all the same struggles and frustrations and everything that, that you and I face. You know, he says he was touched with our infirmities. He understands the struggles that, that you go through and that we all go through, right? But he overcame all of those you know, and and which is an awesome thing. So again, I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me, the same works I have done, you will do an even greater works than those. So tonight we're going to talk specifically about four keys to receiving a miracle from God, okay? March for miracles, four keys to receiving a miracle. And that's kind of the the intro to all this. So the first key to receiving a miracle from God is this, is you've got to know where to go, especially when you don't know what to do. So do you know where to go when you don't know what to do. Okay, and I put a a little subtitle on this first one. Where we place our expectations determines whether we receive a miracle or not. So think about that. Where you place your expectation is what's gonna determine whether or not you're going to receive a miracle from God. So are you expecting God for a miracle? Or, or do you have your expectation in something or, or someone else? Like we talked on Sunday, idolatry. Putting our, our, our faith in a person, place, or thing and expecting that those person, place, or things to bring us what only God can bring us. So turn in your Bibles to 2 Chronicles chapter 16. I went through the, the beginning books of the Bible. I recited all of them on Sunday. So if you were here, you know that I know those. But 2 Chronicles is right after 1 Chronicles. It's right before Ezra. Amen. That probably doesn't help at all. But 2 or 2 Chronicles, excuse me, 16, here's what it's talking about. So you've got, I want to set this up first. So you've got King Basha of Israel. He invaded King Asa, okay? And so he invaded him, he conquered him, and when they would conquer a, a kingdom, they would fortify the area. So they, anytime you know, there's, there's battle or war, they want to they wanna control the supply lines. They don't want anything coming in or, or going out, so they can cut off those supply lines so that it kind of starves out the people, and then you know, they become submissive, and, and then you can totally conquer those people. So that's what King Basha had done to King Asa. Okay, so then what King Asa does did is he went and he removed all the gold and silver uh, out of the treasuries from the temple of God. Now, obviously, he didn't go to God first and ask him, whether that was okay to do that or not. So King Asa, you know, he just said, hey, we're, we're under attack. They have fortified us. They're gonna conquer us. So this is what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna take all the gold and silver out of here and, and I'm gonna have this sent over to King Aram who really was a, not an ally. He was actually an enemy of King Asa, but he's gonna form a treaty with him. So he's gonna give him this silver and gold and form this covenant or this treaty with him so that, that King Aram would end up protecting King Asa from this King Basha. I know it's hard to keep all that together, but just follow me. So again, this is what he decided to do rather than going to God and and trusting him, okay? And so what happens is is King Aram, the the guy that he had cut covenant with, ends up attacking King Basha and his cities, which obviously takes his focus off of King uh, uh, Asa, Getting confused myself. Takes his focus off King Zasa, and then that frees up that territory where, you know, he, he basically got what it is that he wanted. He, he was not under siege anymore. He wasn't under control anymore. And it, it, it appeared like it worked, or did it? This is what we're going to find out here in Second Corinthians chapter sixteen. We pick it up in verse seven. It says, "At that time, Hanani, the seer." Now, the word seer is is really another name for the prophet. There's a little bit of difference between a seer and a prophet, but let's just go with it here. And we know, based on the teaching on Sunday, that any time the prophet showed up, it typically was not good news, right? So we know King uh, that Elijah showed up. Uh, on Sunday when, when we talked about that and, and there was all this idolatry going on. So when the prophet shows up, he's usually there to deliver some sort of warning, some sort of judgment, you know, directly from God. So here, here we go. The seer comes up to King Asa and he tells him this. He says, because you have put your trust in the king of Aram instead of in the Lord your God. So there's the problem. You put your, your, your trust in this man, in this king, instead of the Lord your God. You missed your chance to destroy the army of the king of Aram. So he actually, he actually covenanted or he, or he teamed up with the very king that he was supposed to end up going and destroying. Say this, God had a plan. God, had a plan. God always has a plan, right? It just depends whether we go to him or whether we, we look to our own devices. Verse 8, it says, Don't you remember what happened to the Ethiopians and the Libyans and their vast army with all their chariots and charioteers? At that time, you relied on the Lord. You, you, you did that one right. So you relied on the Lord and he handed them over to you. So God has a plan. I got a question for you. Has God ever come through for any of you in the past, in any of your lives before, by a show of hands? Has God ever come through any of Many of you. All of us, really. If you're born again tonight, God has came through for you. So we know that, that God has a plan. We know that, that he came through for, for this king before, in verse 9, it says that the eyes of the Lord search through the whole earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. He says, what a fool you have been. From now on, you will be at war. Now we know that that verse 9 in the King James, it it says it this way, the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward you. Is your heart perfect? Fully committed to God tonight, can I get an amen? amen? Amen. I know it is. You're here on a Wednesday night. It's March for Miracles. You're believing God. And, and, and you being fully committed to him, God is looking throughout the whole earth to show him strong on your behalf. So again, we know that God has a plan. He's came through us through for us in the past, and he's going to come through for us this time as well. Right. But we've got to know where to go when we don't know what to do. Amen? So if King Asaph, if he simply would have consulted God, God would have delivered him. He told him that there. He could have kept the gold. He could have kept the silver. And there would have been complete peace in the land. Now he's in covenant with this other king. And what did it say? From now on, you will be at war. There's not going to be any more peace as long as your kingdom is at hand here because that was what was decreed. Because there's consequences to not going to God first. That's right. That's right. And that king, he, in his kingdom, he suffered those consequences. So the question for you is, who do you look to in times of crisis or when you don't know what to do? Pastor Vicki always says it this way, when you don't know what to do, you do what you know to do, and then you'll know what to do. Right. And that sounds like a riddle, right? When you don't know what to do, if you do what you know to do, then you'll know what to do. Amen? Amen. Proverbs chapter three, verse five and six says it this way. You know this scripture. It says, Trust in the Lord with with all your heart or with your whole spirit and lean not on your own understanding. Like, Like King Asa, he went and he figured it out on his own. He came up with his best plan. I'm gonna take all the gold, all the silver out of the temple of God and I'm gonna go and I'm gonna cut covenant with my enemy. That's my way of getting out of this situation. But it says this, Don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. And if you do that, He will direct your paths. So, who do we go to first? God, right? And how do we go to God? We go to God by by getting in the Word of God and, and finding out what the Bible says. So, we've got a problem, and then we go in and we find out what is the promise. That, that's going to overcome the problem that I'm facing? You know, if I'm battling depression, despair, a marriage issue, all these various things, what is the promise that helps me to overcome that? And, and then we spend time in prayer. Spend time with God, getting direction from him. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then everything else will be added, right? In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. So go look in the word of God. You spend time in prayer. You maybe ask your spouse Maybe go to, to godly counsel. Not worldly counsel, godly counsel. And I'm telling you, there's a big difference. So when, when you have financial problems, where do you go first? God, right? We don't go to our bank. We don't go you know, to the, the credit card or, or to that family member who when things get really, really tough, they'll give us a handout. We go to God. That's the first place that we go. That's the knee-jerk reaction is we go to God. How about when we have health issues? Where do we go first? We go to God. We don't go to WebMD and, and, and self diagnose your problems. You know, I imagine it like this. You know, it's, it's like you're out there on, and, and the devil kind of has a flip chart. You know, you go out on WebMD and you go, hey, I'm, I'm battling this. My muscles are hurting. I'm achy. I'm, I'm tired. And so the devil kind of has a flip chart and he just flips through stuff. He says, you know, uh, maybe you've got fibromyalgia. And you're like, ah. I don't think I got fibromyalgia. It doesn't sound like that. Well, what are your... Well, you know, I'm also kind of not sleeping the best and whatnot. Well, maybe you've got a rhabdomalysis. A, 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 a rhabdomalysis? what? I, I can't even pronounce that, so I, I know I don't have that. I definitely don't have a rhabdomalysis. So he flips it again, and, and he says, uh, you know, maybe it's Hisan, a, 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 a young Asian female in her early 30s, and, and he says, maybe you got Whipple's disease. Now, Whipple's disease only affects middle-aged men, but you may have Whipple's disease. And you're like, yeah, yeah, Whipple's disease. That, that, that sounds like something that I got, right? It's got all the symptoms and you end up self-diagnosing yourself on Google, on WebMD. Anybody, anybody ever done this before? I've done it before. And then you get out in the chat rooms, right? And they use words like incurable. And then, and then these, these medications that they recommend, right? Which got a whole litany of issues. You know, you've got these issues now, but this is going to cause nausea, vomiting, excessive diarrhea, you know, uh, passing out, you know, and maybe death. And then you just start weighing it out. Now, you haven't even went to the doctor yet, but you've got yourself diagnosed and and you've got yourself treated, you know, on Google before you even go to the doctor. Amen? So who do we go to first when we don't know what to do? We go to God. Go to God first and he will lead you in the next step. Colossians 3.15 says, and let the peace of God Rule in your hearts. Right. Yeah. Nothing wrong with going to the doctor. If you've got to have, whatever it is that, make sure that you've got God's peace on it. That's the number one thing. You pray about it. He'll give you the next step. You go and maybe do certain things, test, whatever it is. And again, he will give you peace for you to take the next step. Amen? So we've got to know where to go when you don't know what to do. This is going to be dangerous here. Relationship issues. Where do you go when you've got relationship issues? Do we go to social media? You know, I, I came up with this. Let's say we've got a, a gal that's just kind of frustrated with her husband. I don't know. Yeah, it's up there. So, so this gal goes to social media and she says this. She says, she says, I just can't deal with this anymore. I thought I knew what love was supposed to be. But lately, it's been anything but that. Maybe it's just me. But I can't seem to shake this feeling of doubt and uncertainty. I wish things were different, but I don't know if they ever will be. Dot, dot, dot. Right? Vague post out on Facebook letting the whole world know what may or may not be going on in your relationship. Right? And how does that make the other person feel? Well, let's look at what the the friends, the loser friend's response is, I'm so sorry you're going through this. You don't deserve to feel this way. If you ever need someone to talk to, I'm here for you. I'm here to pour a a big old bucket of gasoline on that fire, man, and and rage it up. Because it's not godly counsel, it's worldly counsel, right? You deserve to be happy. And if your husband can't give you that, then maybe it's time to move on. You deserve better than this. And you deserve to be with someone who truly loves and supports you. Don't let anyone make you feel like you're not worth it. You are strong and you will get through this, right? Hashtag misery loves company. Amen? So again, where do we go when we don't know what to do? We go to God first, right? Then you call a Christian friend. Call a Christian brother or sister that will give you godly counsel. That'll help you, help you hold the mirror up to your life. Hey, what, what's your role in this situation? Now, I've heard what, what you said about your wife. I've heard about what you said about your husband. What, what was the vision when you first got married? And, and, and again, what's your role in this situation? How, how could you improve and how could you do better? And, and then let's pray for your spouse. That's putting water on the fire, right? That's dousing that. That's neutralizing it. That's, that's bringing God into the situation so the situation can be changed and a miracle can happen in there. Amen. And I know that's a, a funny way to look at it, but it's, it's so true, isn't it? So what's the gist of all this? Jesus is our Lord. Not our banker, not our doctor, not our lawyer, not our financial planner, not even your spouse. Jesus is Lord. Amen? Amen. Amen. So the first key is, is, is knowing where to go when you don't know what to do. That's the first key to receiving your miracle. The second key is, is, is don't seek an earthly messiah. So this day and age, you know, Christianity has become so celebrity-oriented. You know, and, and if I could just get pastor so-and-so to talk to me, if I could get, you know, prophet such-and-such, such, if they'd just speak a word into me, if I could have evangelists, whomever, if they'd lay hands on me, then I'd get healed. Now we got to keep this thing balanced. I understand it. But are we looking to God or are we looking to man? Right. Who has our answer? God does. I can't heal anybody. You can't heal anybody, right. but God can. Right. Amen. Yes, we ignite. We 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 pray the prayer of faith. We lay hands on the sick. Of course, we do all of that stuff. So again, that's where it's keeping it balanced. And we honor and we esteem men and women of God, but again, we put our faith and our trust in God. Right. Because I'll tell you, man, we're gonna let one another down. It's just the reality of things. It's just the reality, it's our humanness, it's our frailty. But God will never let us down. That's why we put our faith and trust in him. And I'll tell you what, last Wednesday night when we had that prayer line at the end where, where we prayed the prayer of agreement, where the Bible says where, where two shall agree on earth is touching anything that we ask our Father for, it'll be done by him in, in heaven. And Jesus said that. And I'll tell you, I don't remember all the prayers, but again, just agreeing and, and, and being done with that and, and at the end of the night knowing that I could not do one thing to answer your prayers but praise God, we were able to agree and, and, and switch the switch of faith on because the power of God is always available, but we got to activate that power. But it wasn't me. It was God. Amen. Amen. Amen? And as you're walking away from that, you still be confessing and declaring that God is doing what you're believing that, that he started last Wednesday night because it started there. It's in the spirit realm, and in the spirit realm, it's already done, but it's up to us to feed it, to water it, to make it manifest into the natural realm. That could take a day, a week, or who knows how long, amen? But keep strong and steadfast in your faith, amen? amen. So whose faith heals you? God. It's faith in him. But also we look at it like this in Mark 5:34. and just listen here. I'm going to rattle these off. When the women with the issue of blood receive her healing, Jesus said, daughter, your faith has made you well. Interesting, huh? Your faith in what? God. In Luke 17, 19, the leper is healed and made whole. Why? Jesus said, your faith has made you well. Your faith has healed you. It's your faith in God. Various methods that God will use, but ultimately it's your faith to receive. In Mark 10, 52, blind Bartimaeus received the miracle of his sight restored. The reason? Jesus said, your faith has healed you. Amen? Now, I'm not saying that, that... certain situations that another person's faith can, can get you healed. But as you grow up in the things of God, as you mature, you know, God is, is holds you to a higher level of responsibility and whatnot. Amen. He knows that, that you know how to get in and feed yourself and, and, and put the word of God in and, and, and meditate on that and get it in your spirit and, and speak it out and, and, and receive the miracle you're believing God for. Amen? Amen? Your faith has made you well. Amen? So who is your faith and, and, and trust in? God. So the third key to receiving a miracle is pass to the positive. We live in such a negative world. Don't be blinded and and sucked in by the negative. Pass on to the positive. So what do you do when something bad happens to you? Do you you freak out? Do you call that friend that you just got a vent to? What's your knee-jerk reaction in any situation and circumstance? What do you do? Proverbs chapter 23, verse 7 says this. It says, For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. Who we are and, and what we do and how we operate is a direct result of our thinking. And we've talked a lot about that lately. Our, our, our thinking becomes our words, right? And out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So what it is that we put in is what's going to end up coming out. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Luke 12, verse 25 says this, can all your worries add a single moment to your life? Think about that. All the worrying that if, if, if you have a negative situation come into your life, some sort of problem, ask you this question, can all your worries, can they add a single moment to your life? Yes or no? No, no. no they can't at all. They don't add anything to your life. Worrying and meditating on our problems does, does one thing for you. It creates this monster inside of us. Yep. Just talking to my My friend about this right before we come out tonight. Worrying and meditating on anything other than the promises of God when we have a problem creates the monster within us. And I'll tell you what, that monster, he's got an insatiable appetite. He never gets full. He feeds on negativity, fearful thoughts, feeds on problems. As we talk that stuff out, and guess what the sweetest treat of all is? to sit there and imagine the worst possible scenario that can happen. Man, that that feeds them really good. And that monster, he starts out kind of like a a pet. They're so cute and and fuzzy, right, when they're little, but then they end up growing up, right? And pets are a good thing, I'm not saying that. But this monster, as we feed it, as it grows, it starts to overtake things, right? And whatever you feed is going to grow the most. You know, we've got our spirit, Pastor Mike taught this at, at the end of uh, February, You know the battle between our flesh and our spirit. So if you feed your spirit, you're putting in the word of God, you're praying, you're praying in the spirit, you're showing up for church, surrounded with godly friends. Of course you're in your workplace. Of course you're, you're ministering to people, but the majority of your time, you know, you're putting in the good, the clean, the pure, the positive. And your, fle- or your spirit, that man, man, that grows up strong. And then you're, as a byproduct, you're starving the flesh. But boy, you put all this down. And you start feeding that that flesh man, that flesh man that we thought was dead, but he's just kind of dormant. We start feeding him again. The stuff we're looking at and listening to and the conversations we're having, all of a sudden that monster, it's back out, right? And it's out of control before we know it. The fear of losing your job, the fear of the economy, fear of your kids going wayward. You know, even when you're talking to somebody else, you might think that you're helping a person out by sitting there and, and, and listening to their problems. But in effect, you're, you're actually helping them feed the monster of anxiety and fear and, and all that in their own lives. So as they're talking it out to you, that's, that's feeding the monster within them. And there's nothing wrong with, with hearing somebody out for, for a little while, but it's like, hey, time out. You can tell if somebody's just rehearsed this thing over and over and over. And by the time they speak it out, man, it is so deep within them, that monster is just ready to come out. They have so little word on the situation. When you ask them, hey, hey what do you believe in God for in this situation? They don't have a clue. Right. Because they've, they've just rehearsed this problem over and over and over. They've fed that monster, and that monster is so big that they don't know what to do. I've, I've been there before. I know you probably get sto- sick of the prison stories. I got, I got stories for days. I always think, am I going to run out of stories? And I've done a lot of dumb things, so I've got plenty of stories. But when, when So eight and a half months in jail, got out, was out for 11 months. That's when Melissa and I got married. We were born again at that point. We were living down in Omaha, but I was fighting my case, okay? So I was, I was uh, um, you know, being convicted of, of drug trafficking, and it was a conspiracy charge, not a possession charge, and there's a a, a big difference there. So conspiracy, I could go into all the details, but they didn't have as solid of a case. So my attorney, of course, was telling me, hey, you're going to get off. You're not not get off, but you're not going to have to go to prison, okay? As you're paying them money, you know, that's what they tell you and whatnot, and that's just kind of how it works. Um, But when we were living down in Omaha, you know, I I would say that I was in faith, but at midnight, one o'clock in the morning, I'm up, sitting in the bathroom, just stewing, just worrying. What, what, what's Melissa going to do? You know, Noah's four or five weeks old. What are they going to do? What are they going to do? What am I going to do? You know, just not in faith at all, totally in fear, feeding that monster, just spinning it over and over in my head. I was just a young, immature Christian. I was immature. I was, I was prideful. I didn't know how to reach out and ask for help. And as I share stories, I hope this resonates with you that, that when you're in situations that, that you can't you know, uh, defeat on your own or, or, or find victory on your own. That's where the brothers and sisters in Christ or, or having a pastor like Pastor Mike and Vicki, that, that you can step to somebody that will help you walk through this. You're not meant to do life alone. I need you and you need me. We need one another. Amen? And that's where iron sharpens iron and, and you know, when, when your faith is weak, when, you know, you're maybe battling an illness, you know, it's really, again, easy to sit in the cheap seats but, you know, maybe it's battling cancer and you're going through chemo and, man, your body's so tired you can hardly speak anything, let alone feeling like you want to pray in faith. But that's where the body of Christ comes up, man, and, and we lift up one another. Right. Amen? And I just, I didn't understand that at that point. So in my immaturity and pride, I didn't want to ask for help. So again, are you feeding any monsters in your own life? Like I said, they're fun when they're little. But when they grow up, they're going to destroy your dreams, your hopes, your desires. And they're going to erode away at your faith. Oh, yeah. Amen? Amen? And the only way to get rid of that monster is to starve it. Turn your Bibles to, to Philippians chapter 4. We've taught whole, whole messages on this verse of text. This is one of the, the main texts that I stand on in, in my life. I've, I've given this verse of scripture to, to so many people I can't even count. Philippians chapter 4 verse verse 6. Says this, be anxious or, or, or worry about nothing. Easier said than done, right? But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving... Let your requests be made known unto God. And and most things with God is not a formula, but this is. If you're battling fear, anxiety, doubt, worry, this is what you do. You pray, you you supplicate. That means you're giving a specific request to God and you're doing it with thanksgiving. A a, a thankful heart opens yourself up to God, you know, to, to receive more. Not more just for more sake, but again, it's just a grateful heart. God, I'm thankful for a roof over my head. I'm thankful for a fridge full of food. I'm thankful for a, a spouse who loves me and is there for me. I'm thankful for my three boys. I'm thankful for a, a, a church that I can go to and, and, and get strengthened and equipped up. I'm thankful for Pastor Mike and Pastor Vicki in my life. I'm, I'm thankful and truly being thankful in that. So when we're thankful and we let our requests be made known unto God, so that's our part. And then here, verse seven, and then the peace of God, which passes all understanding, which makes no sense, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Isn't that awesome? It makes no sense how you can be in this problem, but you have the peace of God in there. Hallelujah. Finally, brethren, here's what you do then. So your part is to pray, supplicate, with thanksgiving, make a request unto him. He gives you the peace of God, but he tells you how to keep that peace of God. He says... Whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of a good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Now he's telling you, this is what you think on. Quit thinking on all the other stuff and think on this. And, and how do we take a thought captive? We recognize that we say, hey, is this, this thought pure, just, holy of a good report? Is it praiseworthy? If not, get it out of your mind. I know it's easier said than done, but that's where putting the word in flushes out the worry and the fear and the anxiety. Verse 9, he says, These things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do. You've got to do it. You can't just believe it. You can't just speak it. You've got to do all of it. And you've got to do it continually. And the God of peace will be with you. There is nothing better than the peace of God, is there? I love praise and worship, standing here just worshiping God, no better place, no other place on the whole planet that I I would rather be, just in his presence with peace, can be all chaos out in the world going on, but again, the peace of God that passes all understanding. So you're feeding this monster before with with the negative thoughts and, and all the reasons why it can't work out. But again, God says instead of meditating on those things, meditate on the true, the noble, the pure, the lovely, the good report, the virtue, and the praiseworthy. Where do you find things like that? In the Bible, right? right. Basic stuff, but we got to do it. We got to put it in. That's the only thing that's going to change our thinking and and, and starve that monster out. The fourth key to receiving a miracle from God, because again, if you're meditating on worry and doubt and all the things that, that maybe might happen, you're going to block your miracle. It's just how it works. And you're going to attract all that other stuff into your life. Not law of attraction, it's just, it's just how it operates. It's just how it works. You know, how you do it, good, you know, uh, instead of just being up and, you know, a champion in Christ, an overcomer, more than, you know, get your chest out, shoulders back. Amen? It's not fake it till you make it, but it's getting the Word of God in you and, and walking like the King of kings, and the Lord of lords is your Savior. That's your God, that's your Father, that that the royal blood of heaven does flow through your veins. Amen? Amen. Amen. The fourth key is do not put limitations on God's ability to provide for you. Don't put limitations on him. We limit God. He's not the limiting factor. We are. It's not up to us to figure out how God is going to do it. Our responsibility is to believe. Remember when we talked about that before? You pray, I'll work. You pray, you activate faith, you activate my word, and I'll do the work. That's how it works. You don't have to figure out how God's going to do it, you just have to know who's going to do it. Amen? And trust Him that He is going to do it. Mark chapter 2, verse 22 set this up for a moment, it, it's Jesus and the disciples being, being questioned, of course, by the religious people, by the Pharisees, on, on their way of doing things. You know, why aren't, why aren't the disciples fasting? And, he, and he's, you know, again, so they're, they're always about the mechanics, the religious stuff. You know, you, you got to fast, you got to do this, you got to do that. All those things are good things, but again, they're not, they're not the, the sole thing. It's, it's, it's seeking after God. So basically, they were were told that their way won't work. You ever been told that? What you're believing God for, that's just not going to happen. It's not going to work. It's not realistic. Our family doesn't have things like that. It puts that limitation on you. puts that lid on you. Mark 2.22, it says this. It says that no one puts new wine into old wineskins, or else the new wine bursts the wineskins. The wine is spilled and the wineskins are ruined, but new wine must be put into new wineskins. There's a revival going on in this nation, amen? And religion doesn't like it. It doesn't like, we want to control things. We want to control how God does things. And a lot of times people, especially religious people, they don't like the way that God moves and and how he operates and whatnot. But he's God. And we either hook up to what he's doing or we we get left by the wayside, amen? New wines must be put into new wineskins. Do not put limitation on God's ability to provide. Or Roberts gave, gave these three wisdom t- tips to Kenneth Copeland, and he said, this will guarantee your success in in believing God. And I'm going I'm to finish out with this. The, the first tip of, of not limiting God was, was finding out the will of God. Sounds simple. Pastor always says it this, faith begins where the will of God is known. You've got to know what God's will is. Otherwise, you're just, you're just you know, shotgunning things and just hoping and wishing and, and there's nothing to, to stand firm on. Amen? Faith begins where the, the will of God is known. And in this excerpt I wrote, it, it said where Kenneth and Gloria, when, when they would have a problem, they would actually remove themselves for three whole days. And they'd spend time only praying Talking to God about this situation, searching the scriptures, and finding out the promises of God dealing with those specific problems. Right. And what do we do so many times? It's a problem comes up, and we just want to start shotgun and stuff. Jesus took my infirmities, bore my sickness. Uh, my God supplies all my. And of course, those things are real. So of course, those are scriptures that we stand on. But how about slowing down and and spending time with your father? Right. Your father wants to spend time with you. And just telling him, hey, this is what's going on in my life. You know, you know the problems, but he wants to hear them from you. He wants to know that, that you believe that he's the one that, that can answer those, those prayers and those problems and, and, and fix those things in your life. So you go and you spend time with your father. James 1.5, it says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach. That means he doesn't pull back. He's not mad at you for asking. And it will be given unto him. So if you don't know what to do, where do you go to find the answer? God. Seems simple, but are we doing it? God can solve your problem a thousand different ways. You think about that. He's got a thousand different ways to fix what it is that, that is bothering you right now. A thousand different ways to, to bring that kid back. A thousand different ways to heal you. A thousand different ways to, to prosper you financially. A thousand different ways to bring you peace thousand different ways. And I just encourage you to sit down and ask him for three and just journal those out. What three ways, God, and just start, even if it sounds crazy, but it just starts putting substance to, to, to what you're hoping for, right? Faith is the substance of things hoped for. So the first, we find out the will of God and the word of God. The second thing we do, we do not confer or consult with flesh and blood. So once you find out what the promise of God is, you don't need to run around and get validation from everybody else. You don't need to confer with flesh and blood. Matthew chapter 16 says this. and setting it up, Jesus was asking his disciples, who do men say that I am? Well, they said, well, well some say you're John the Baptist. Some say that you're Elijah. Some say that, that you're Jeremiah. But verse 15, he said, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God, And Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. He got revelation because he he was spending time with Jesus, right? Spending time with with the Word. Jesus is the Word of God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. Jesus is God. Is also the Word. Peter was spending time with the Word and that revelation came into him that you are the Son of the living God. You are the Messiah. Now a short time later, he actually ended up, Peter rebuked him a short time later. He said, get behind me, Satan, because he was, he, Peter was telling him, hey, you're not going to go, you know, be killed or whatever. And, and you know, so again, this revelation, we've, we've got to keep it down in our spirit and, and, and we've got we've to guard our heart with this. Amen? I remember when I, I, I came on, before we came on uh, full-time here at, at Faith Family Church, you know, May of 2019, had a business go sideways, and, and, and we talked to pastors at length for probably a year, just kind of, you know, talking things out or whatnot, and, and they were waiting for a specific thing. And one day they asked Melissa, they said, they said Melissa, what, what do you think? And she said the wisest thing. She said, it really doesn't matter what I think. It matters what he thinks, meaning me. Because what, Adam and Eve in the garden, when it gets tough and, and life just gets tough, who am I going to blame? The woman you gave me, right? But if I got revelation that this is where I was called to be, she knew that it was going to come from God then. That's revelation, amen? Knowing that you know that you know that you're right where God has you at, amen? And he'll give you that revelation. He doesn't want to, he's not sitting there hiding things from you, but you got to spend time with him. you got to do this. you got to find his will. Do not confer with flesh and blood. And then the third thing he Oral Roberts told Kenneth Copeland is, is he said, get the job done at all costs. Luke chapter 18, it's, it's about burning the boats. He said this, Luke 18, 28, Peter said, See, we have left all to follow you. And a lot of times nowadays, we don't, we don't want to talk about sacrifice. And I'm not, this isn't about me being arrogant, but, but I was a fitness guy. 25 years, that was my identity. It's who I was. But we sold the gym, left everything, you know, left all the stuff that, that we had. And again, I'm not sitting here saying, hey, look at me. I'm just saying, you got to burn the boats. You got to decide the direction that you're heading in. And I've been on staff two years, and it's still taking me quite some time to fully submit and lock in. And that's just me, and be, me being transparent with you. Amen? Because it does take time sometimes. Yeah, we, we mentally, we, we focus in, but man, to really get it in your spirit and just get it locked in. But now I know that I know. And that's where God wants you to be at as well. You get the job done at all costs. And you've got to, that starts with just making a decision. Decision in your, in your faith, like that target we had up there. How do you go from good to great, you know, to, to world-class and then to, to the supernatural? It starts with one decision. That's right. You want to get healthy? You got to decide. And then you got, to, you got to just start moving on that. How do I go to the gym four or five times a week? Because I decided 25, 30 years ago that, that, that I was going to maintain a healthy lifestyle and I haven't changed the decision. You decided to follow Jesus, and and there is no turning back. It starts with that decision. Amen? Amen? Relationships. When you were walking down the aisle, you decided that this was the man or woman that you were going to spend the rest of your life with. Now I know things happen. But I, I tell a lot of people, you know, if... If, if I'm in one room with a guy and, and my wife or, or Pastor Mike and Vicky or, you know, are, are in one room and, and the female's with the females and we say, hey, what, what do you want out of this marriage? You know what? They're both going to say the same thing. They just have a, a different idea of how we're going to get there. And we typically fight over those ideas. Instead of fighting one another, let's fight together and move together down the path. Amen? Make that decision. Amen. We're not going to fight any, fight one another anymore. We're going to fight together. Same thing with, you know, family lives. Quit fighting one another. We're all on the same team. Amen? So again, to recap, four keys to receiving a miracle. Know where to go when you don't know what to do. Don't seek an earthly Messiah. Pass to the positive. Don't focus on the negative. And don't put limitations on God's ability to provide. Amen? Amen. Did you get something out of that? Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's message. We'd love for you to join us for our Sunday morning service at 9.30, as well as our midweek service on Wednesday nights at 7. Thanks again for listening. Have a great day.